what's the most wonderful time of the year? No, when spring training happens and opening day is, is ready to go. What's the second most wonderful time of the year? No, it's when the college football rankings come out and all the Bulls teams get picked. That just happened. We have four teams that are going to be battling for a national championship and the Bulls all start because Army-Navy happened yesterday. It's all there. Oh, come on, work with me here. You non-football fans. But... Um, Roll Tide, wow, that's never been uttered in this church, I promise. A few, few, uh uh-oh, shouting match. We'll have to introduce you to at the end of the service. You can dialogue about it. Did you know that there was a ranking for top ten Christmas carols of all time? But Christmas carols that actually have Christian meaning to it, like actually have Jesus about Jesus. I'm going to give you those top ten. I wonder where your favorite Christmas carols rank here, but here's going from 10 to 1. Coming in at number 10 is Joy to the World. You heard that song, right? Number 9, The First Noel. Number 8, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Number 7, Angels We Have Heard on High. Number 6, Silent Night. They were upset. They thought they should be in the top four, but I'm just kidding. We Three Kings of Orient Are. Number five, number four, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Number three, What Child Is This? Number two, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And coming in at number one, the drum roll, O Holy Night. You guys are quick. Um, The first line or the first stanza in O Holy Night says, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our Dear Savior's birth, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love that line. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. We know that we live in a weary world, right? There's weariness in this room this morning let alone outside of the doors of this church. Life brings pain, whether it's self-inflicted or somebody else caused it or just life circumstances itself, things that are outside of our control, it brings pain. And what I have come to know in many of you is that Jesus is the healer. And so when we're celebrating Christmas and we're talking about that thrill of hope, hope that we need to bring healing to our lives, um, talking on Thursday with Jess Galvan about their new little baby, baby girl. They named her Maeve. That's very cool. It's like Dave, but with an M, right? So Maeve. And her name means a bringer of joy. And they were kicking that around. And I guess Sherilyn Ugert, who's part of our church, had said this before they had fully settled on her name, had said, this baby's going to bring joy to you. And they said, okay, that's it. Um, We're going to name her Maeve. So I thought that was pretty cool. We have other folks in the church that are expecting. And so if you've ever had kids, you know this whole naming process, right, can be a little difficult. You know that, right? Because there's like unwritten rules about how you name children. If your spouse ever dated somebody with that name, that goes off the list. If there was a kid in elementary school that you didn't like, no, we're not naming him or her that. Then you have to have the whole uh, 
first name, last name thing has to work together. For example, if your last name is Mann, like M-A-N-N, you don't want to name your daughter Anita because she'd be Anita Mann. <laughs> or if you like the name Eileen, but your last name is Wright, you'd be Eileen Wright. There's a couple more, so work with me. Maybe Lois is like a family name, and so you want to name your, your daughter Lois, but if your last name is Price, it should be Lois Price. Is this what you feel like every week, bro? All right, I get it, I get it, I do. Or, did you, you know, there was a lady named Helen, and she married a guy with the last name Back, and after 10 years, she realized she had been to Helen Back, Helen Back. we got to be careful in naming our kids. So we're in this series that we just started last Sunday called A Thrill of Hope. And really, as I was praying about what we could do for the Christmas season, rather than just, you know, I don't know, not cliche types of things, but God, what's a word for, for our people? And that line, A Thrill of Hope, meshed with the prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9. Those two come together because Jesus is the bringer of hope. And I believe God wants to reignite hope in all of us this year because life gets weary and God gives us that hope. So in Isaiah 9.6, I want to read to you Isaiah 9.6 and then I'm going to actually read on more than what's uh, just there on the screen. But this was written about Jesus in, in 700 years or so before he was born and fulfilled, we see it fulfilled in the Gospels. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so... Last week, we talked about how the government will be on his shoulders, that he's the king and, and his kingdom is, is being built now and it's going to find its fulfillment when he comes again. And, but for the rest of the weeks, Sundays and even Christmas Eve, I want to look at those names of Jesus, those titles of Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace and how that applies for us. So today we're going to talk about how our Wonderful Counselor, Jesus brings the hope of healing. So when you look up the, the Hebrew word uh, for wonderful, it's the Hebrew word Pele, which means great soccer player. <laughs> actually, it doesn't mean that. It means beyond understanding. It means amazing. It actually is a word that says there's no words to describe how awesome this person is. There are really no words to describe how amazing Jesus really is. So you have your wonderful, amazing counselor, and a counselor consoles, a counselor guides, gives direction to us. So over the next couple minutes, I want to give you three truths about our wonderful counselor as we build up to how do we connect with him, how do we grow with him in a deeper way and relate to him. The first truth I want you to write down is this, is that our wonderful counselor, Jesus, came for the sick and the broken. He came for the sick and the broken, and you could add to that the outcast, the hated, the left out, the forgotten, the shame-filled, so on and so on. Jesus came to 
for the broken. He came for the sick. He came for the sinners like me. In uh, Luke chapter 5, we see a, a dialogue that Jesus has with the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day. And they saw Jesus eating um, with you know, sinners and tax collectors and so forth. They said, why does this man eat with sinners? Well, Jesus responds with this. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And they didn't know what to do with that. The, the, the real context of that, those verses there is the calling of Levi, the tax collector, who Jesus changed his name to Matthew, who wrote the gospel of Matthew. And in, Jesus walks by, and he sees Levi collecting the taxes. And he says, come follow me. Come follow me. He says that to a tax collector. Tax collectors were the scum of the scum to the Jewish people because they collected taxes for the Romans, but the Romans gave them permission, collect this amount of tax, and then whatever you collect beyond that, you get to keep for yourself. So they're collecting taxes for their enemy who's holding them in tyranny, and then they're also extorting money from them. They were pretty hated people. And Jesus turns to Levi, and he says, come and follow me. Come be my disciple. Who does that? Who's, who says things like that? Our wonderful counselor does. I want to show you a, a clip from the movie, The Son of God. And they do a really cool job of showing this calling of Levi, the tax collector. Check this out. All taxes must be paid in full! We're all Jews. How can they live with themselves? Our own people working for Rome. These people make me sick. Collaborators. Let's move on. They're stinking vermin. You should keep your distance from them. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other one. Tax collector. The Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, thieves, adulterers, or this tax collector. But the tax collector. didn't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. 
God bless the tax collector. Not the Pharisee. Anyone who praises himself will be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be praised. Matthew, come. of the sins committed by his other followers. Aren't you glad he calls sinners to follow him? Yeah, that's me. That's our wonderful counselor. That's the one that we're following. And I, I want to ask you this this morning. Where, where are you hurting? Where, are you, where do you have pain in your life? I think some of us are so good at masking our pain. We're coming to church or whatever, and we put on the happy Everything's good face, you know, and I like at our culture here at Novation that for the most part, if you're not having, if you're hurting and somebody says, how are you doing? It's like, do you really want to know? Because how much time do you have, right? I think the holidays have a way of magnifying both the good and the bad about holidays in the sense that the good, the reason that we're celebrating Christmas and so forth and, and the, you know, just the fun parts about Christmas but it also magnifies the bad parts or our pain in our life sometimes. Um, you know, if you're having financial struggles, Christmas can be a reminder that you're having financial struggles. Or grief. It's going to be the, the first Christmas that, you know, our family's going to be without our, our mom. You know, my mom passed away last March. And it's going to be different. You know, it's just we're grieving. And I know that's true for other folks too, and you find yourself in that season, we got to remember that we got a wonderful counselor who's ready and able to heal all hurts in our life. So here's good news for the hurting. He came for the sick, the broken, and the hurting. Second truth about our wonderful counselor is this. He's a compassionate and empathetic savior and healer. He's a compassionate and empathetic savior and healer. And the difference between empathy and sympathy is this. You see somebody in pain, and you're, you're moved, and you sympathize. You have simp feel sympathy for them. When you have empathy for somebody, it's not only do you feel bad for their pain, but you've been through what they're going through. And that's when you can become empathetic. And he is our empathetic Savior because Jesus experienced more pain than anybody would ever experience, not just the physical part, but on the cross, when he bore the weight of sin, he was separated from his father. And so to ex experience that was the hardest thing anybody could ever go through when he bore the weight of sin. So he has empathy for us. It says in Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, it says, Our high priest is not one who cannot feel sympathy, I would add empathy, for our weaknesses. On the contrary, we have a high priest who was tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. Let us have confidence then and approach God's throne where there is grace. 
There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. Third thing is this that I want you to write down about our wonderful counselor. He has the wisdom that we need for every situation. He has the wisdom that we need for every situation. It says another prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11. Um, a word that was spoken about Jesus. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Let me call a time out there real quick. You may be going, what in the world does a shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse mean? If you're maybe new to the Bible or, or to Jesus, that's prophetic uh, allegory about Jesus. Jesse was King David's dad. And so this is a, 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 a you know, a prophetic way of talking about who Jesus was going to be. We talked about this last week that Jesus, when, when David became king, God promised him that there would always be a king on his throne. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfill, fulfillment of that as king of kings. So that's what that means. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Check this out. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I wonder today, where do you need guidance? Where do you need wisdom? Are you facing a, a big decision and you're trying to know, what, how do I do this? What should I do? What direction should I take? Well, our wonderful counselor has the wisdom that you need. It says in... in uh, in there that the, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. What, the fear of the Lord is to have a proper understanding of who we're talking about when we talk about the Lord. It is to understand that the vastness and amazingness of who God is, that he's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. He created everything. He knows the beginning from the end. And when we, we realize who we're talking about, boom, we stand in awe, just whoa. That's what the fear of the Lord is, to stand in awe of God. Now, please don't think that I'm talking down to anybody when I say what I'm about to say, because I'm not, and I'm not condemning anybody, but it, it does blow my mind. It blows me away when, when I talk to believers who are going through trials, struggles, difficulties, and I say, have you talked to God about it? And they go, not really. Uh, hello? <laughs> I mean, that means we're depending upon ourselves. if we're not taking something to the Lord, praying about a relationship or a decision or any of this. Include him in all of those things. There's an invitation for us to ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for it. He'll pour it on you generously without finding fault. There's an invitation for you and I to ask God for direction. Ask him for wisdom on everything, every part of your life. Ask him for, your, for his wisdom. Don't try to do it alone. We have a wonderful counselor. So how do we find help? How do we find healing from Jesus? How do we find that from our wonderful counselor? A couple uh, things to remember. First of all, spend time with him. Spend time with Jesus. It all starts here. In finding healing and in finding help, it all starts by you and I spending time, quality alone time with Jesus. Being part of church, coming on Sunday, home, that's all part of it too. 
But, but it really does going to boil down to you and him and learning to, to, to have a relationship with him that's not just, just Sunday. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Is that any of us today? Of course it is. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you come to him? Well, you come to him by faith. You come to him by his word, and you believe he is who he says he is. You come to him in prayer and fellowship with other believers as well. The more you spend time with somebody, the more you get to know them. Jesus doesn't need to know more about you. He already knows everything about your life, everything. He knows the beginning and the end. So it's us learning how to position ourselves and spending time with him to get the wisdom and life and healing that we, we need. You can tell the, the, the quality of a marriage by the amount of quality time that a couple spends together. If you don't get to spend quality time together, it's hard to have a good marriage. It's hard to be friends. It's hard to, you know, not be nitpicking at each other all the time. But the more time you spend together as a couple or a friend or any relationship, the closer you are. Jesus is always available. Don't ever forget that. You don't need to set an appointment with Jesus or visiting hours or any of that. He's always available as much as we want. Here's the question for me and for you. Am I making myself available to him and spending time? And it's simple. At, at T&D on Tuesday night, what we talked about last week and this week is how to learn to read the Bible for ourselves, worship, and prayer as means of experiencing God. And so come Tuesday and learn more about that. But it's, it's learning to spend time with him. The second thing is this. Be honest with him. If you're going to find help and healing from the wonderful counselor, then be honest with him when you spend time with him. Two Psalms, passages from the Psalms that I think are very important about being honest with the Lord. The first one comes from Psalm 62, verse 8. It says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Pour out your heart to him. You're not going to find, we're not going to find healing and change in our life if we don't become honest with God and ourselves and eventually with other people. But it starts by saying, God, I'm, I'm broken. God, I'm a mess. God, I'm ticked off. God, what, whatever. And just being real with God. I, I got a big reminder of this last Sunday. Last Sunday, um, I woke up a little late, so you get, that's nothing worse than feeling like you're running against the clock. And uh, Janelle was getting ready, and I was in our closet, and as many of you know, because I probably talk about it too much, but you've asked, like, I've been congested for what feels like five years. I'm sorry that I have to talk like this every day, but I'm sure I'm sick of it too, but um, I, I took my, I was just woke up, and I was just grouchy, and I had my, a shirt in my hand, and I'll just be honest with you, I took that shirt, and I threw it against the wall, and I cussed. So mad. And, uh, you know, good thing it wasn't like a baseball or something throwing at the wall, right? But as soon as I did that, I walked in, I got in the shower, 
And I felt like the Lord was like, seriously, dude? <laughs> You're congested. Like, and I began to ask God for forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry for being that upset over something silly like this and for blowing up in anger. And immediately I felt the Lord prompt my heart with 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's either 16 or 18, where it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I was like, okay, what can I be thankful for in this congestion? And um, I began to just think about people who have cancer, who've had surgeries, and I haven't heard them complain at all. They don't complain about anything. I'm congested to the point where I cuss in anger. Immediately, I felt like I was pouring out my heart to the Lord and being honest with him. And something changed in me. Funny how uh, antibiotics can change your countenance too. But seriously, in, all, in, in my life, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. And I felt a, a burden lift off of me that was helpful because I poured out my heart to the Lord. Sometimes when I, I counsel people, marriages or whatever, and they, we open, shut the door and begin to talk, and it's da 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 it's like, woo, okay, at least we're being real. This thing's on. And sometimes, you know, I'm not excusing anything, but just be real with the Lord. You see that over and over in the Psalms where David is real with the Lord, and then he comes back around at the end. That's me. Ah, da 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 Okay, yes, but you are Lord, and... And I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for my tirade, Lord. Second verse is Psalm 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So pour out your heart to the Lord. This is how you be honest with him. Pour out your heart, and then cast your cares. God, this is a burden in my life. God, this is a struggle. Uh, Lord, we, we need finances. We need this. We need that. Give them to the Lord and be honest with him. Third thing. To find help and healing from the Lord is spend time with him, be honest, and then listen to him. Take the time to sit and listen to the Lord. When it, we see this in the Gospels where Jesus took some of his disciples up to a mountaintop and he was transfigured. He, they saw the glory of Jesus and they were blown away down where they fell on their faces and uh, they heard a voice. Say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said, and, they, and the voice said, listen to him. How many know there's a lot of competing voices out there? There's your flesh. There's the wisdom of the world. Or there's, you know, your feelings, your emotions. And to learn to listen to the voice of Jesus, to, to learn to listen to the voice of the wonderful counselor, it's a skill that we have to learn. And the more you spend time with him and you're honest, the more you will learn how to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. There's a promise that Jesus gave in, in uh, John 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What a great promise. If you're his, you're going to hear his voice and follow him. He's speaking but in the midst of all these other competing voices in the world, we have to learn to tune our ear to what Jesus is saying to us through his spirit. And he doesn't, you know, like it says in the Old Testament that he doesn't speak in the thunder and the fire and all of that. It's the still, small voice. 
And when you hear the still, small voice of Jesus, then tune into that and do what he says to do, which is my last point. If you're going to find help and healing from him, obey him. Spend time with him, be honest with him, listen to him, and then obey him. And you listen to Jesus through his word, through the promptings of the Spirit, and through other wise people. He, he, he will speak to you, but ultimately do what he says to do. That's what obedience is. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So when you hear the word, obey it. You put it into practice. How many times do people go to a doctor for a physical? And the doctor's saying, hey, um, I want you to lose some weight, maybe stop smoking, you know, whatever. And, okay, doc, thanks. And we don't do what the doctor says to do. We just go about our business. Um, the, probably the bigger problems that we have, we may start listening. But, um, or when you, when you get counsel from somebody, they, you, you go to somebody to get their wisdom and, and you feel like, God, you know, you, what they said was wise, but you don't do what they say to do. I'll tell you, as a pastor and in pastoral counseling, I, uh, one of the most rewarding things for me as a pastor and in counseling people, and whether I was pastor or not, it's, it's watching people submit to the word of God. Watching someone who's got a decision or a sin or a difficulty say, you know what, I believe what God has to say. I'm going to put it into practice. Man, that is so rewarding. But the big bummer is when people know the word of God and choose not to do it. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? That's a convicting verse there. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Does the wonderful counselor know what's best for our lives? Settle that issue right now. Because when you're talking about the wonderful counselor, you know, the one who created the, earth, the heavens and the earth, the one who has no beginning, no end, the one who is all-powerful, uh, you know, omnipresent, he's all that. That's who we're talking about. Does he know what's best? The one who said, I'm going to suffer and die, and on the third day I'm going to rise again, and he actually did it? We go with what he says because he knows what's best. You don't and I don't. And learning to obey and put it, the word of God into practice is the most important thing that you and I can learn how to do. Here's the problem, though. The wonderful counselor, he, he might ask you to do things that don't make sense to your natural mind. Sometimes we might hear something that we didn't want to hear. He may ask us to do something we don't want to do. Some, you might be in a, a dating relationship right now. And the Lord tells you to break up because that person will lead you away from Jesus rather than closer to him. We don't like to hear that because maybe you feel like, I don't know, your clock is ticking and it's, I love this person or whatever. You got to ask yourself, who am I going to follow in that? Or somebody might be in a very, very, very difficult marriage. And the wonderful counselor is going to tell you, stay and fight for your marriage. Don't bolt. Don't do the easy thing. Stay and fight for your marriage. It's not easy to hear. Maybe he tells you to downsize from whatever your lifestyle is so that your finances are in a better picture. It's not easy to hear. You don't want to 
give things up. But what is good for us is not always what's easiest, right? I'll bring it to a head with this. The most important thing I can ask you today is, do you know the wonderful counselor? Do you know Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have you come to him and said, Lord, I'm a sinner like Levi did, and come and say, Lord, I trust in you that you died for me and you rose again. Be my Savior, be my Lord, because you're my wonderful counselor. He already knows everything about you. He already knows everything about all of us. And guess what? He loves you anyway, right? He proved it on the cross. He proved it on the cross. Come to him by faith. If you've never done that, today's the day to say, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Lord, I want to follow you. You don't clean yourself up. You don't put yourself back together and then become a follower of Jesus. He does that. You just come to him like he said. Come to me. Watch what he'll do. If you already know the wonderful counselor, my challenge to you and to myself is spend time with him. Spend time talking to him, reading his word. Be honest with him about where you're at, good and bad and indifferent. Be honest with him. Listen to him and then obey what he has to say. All right, will you stand with me and we'll pray. I don't know where everybody's situations are, but I do know there is pain in this room. And today is the day to just say, Lord, I, wanna, I want healing. You're my healer. Lord, I've made tons of mistakes and I fail over and over and over. But you're the one that puts me back together. Give him your shame today. Give him the shame that you have for your failures. He died for us to make us clean. Learning how to live out who we are in Christ, that's, that's our walk with him. He's the healer. Brings healing and giving us ultimate hope that we have in Him. So I know there's some difficult situations in people's lives. There's grief, there's all of that. Give that over to Him. Father, as we have talked about the amazing, wonderful counselor that you gave us in your Son, we're humbled. We're eternally grateful for your Son. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you went through for us to have hope and healing in our life, a future, that no matter what happens in this life, Jesus, you've overcome the world. And so help us today, Lord Jesus, to, to tune in with you and what you have for us as, as our wonderful counselor. We just want to draw closer to you. Help us to remember that life is not about us. It's about you living in and through us. Remind us that apart from you, we can do nothing. Forgive me, forgive us for trying to do life apart from you. Thank you for the joy that you give and the peace.
peace that you give. Help each one of us to, to be proclaimers of your gospel, Lord, in what we say, how we act, how we live. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you want prayer for anything, you'd like to pray with somebody, you have some needs, there'll be some of our leaders up here to pray with you. If you're a guest with us, make sure you stop by the info table. There's some invitations for Christmas Eve. Grab many of those and hand them out. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing week.